live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. Good afternoon out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics in a split screen edition. I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell, broadcasting from the Empire State Plaza in the New York State Capital Region of Albany. In studio at Podcast Village there in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., is the retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy, Admiral Ken Carinine. Admiral, hello. Hello, Justin. How are you? Uh, doing fantastic. It's Albany. I mean, really. And also in studio there at Podcast Village, he is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for Foreign Trade, who worked at last count under four presidents. He is the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. And out on the left coast in the beautiful Bay Area of California, he is the former Joe Biden political operative and attorney in the great state of Maryland, the District of Columbia. He is Dan Littner Esquire. Dan, how's uh, left coast feeling? Surf's up, dude. Uh, exactly. Hey, we've got a lot to cover in this show, so let's get to it. Let's talk about the ever-increasing strange situation involving the Saudi government the u.s government and the ever disturbing uh facts that are coming out involving the journalist for the washington post jamal cash hoagie uh we talked about jamal last week where the latest is that jamal cash if you recall went to the saudi consulate in istanbul turkey to get paperwork to marry his fiance video outside of the Saudi consulate see the journalist walking in however he does not walk out and has been missing and has had no contact with anybody for two weeks the White House uh, is not speculating on what has happened to uh, Mr. Khashoggi and it seems that they are brushing aside uh, any sort of possibility that foul play might be involved. In an interview with Leslie Stahl in 60 Minutes over the weekend, uh, the president pretty much did not come up with a firm message or a firm stance involving this situation, even though Republicans on the Hill are calling for strong actions should it be discovered that uh, Khashoggi is in fact either deceased or is being held against his will. Uh, this is a very, very difficult situation, obviously, for people in the Washington media circles. It is an increasing p- point of pressure at the White House. Alan Moore, when looking at this situation, first of all, how does the White House not have a firm grasp of what exactly the serious nature of a missing U.S. journalist is. It it seems like that either Trump's in denial or there may be other factors involved with his response involving the Saudis. Well, so let's let's differentiate between the White House and the president. Um, Just because the president uh, takes a particular approach, which continues, we must acknowledge, to evolve— um, in in a good direction, 
um, right. which would be hard hard to make it evolve in 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 a in a wrong direction given how uh, how off centered he was at the beginning, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other people in the White House and in the administration who have a pretty firm grasp um, and are paying attention with great care not only to uh, what the State Department is saying, what the intelligence agencies are saying, what the Turk the Turks are saying, and what uh, for that matter. Um, uh, it, people on the Hill are, are right. saying. So now, I want to. I want to just jump he's in real quick. Slowly getting there. Now, I do want to jump in, Alan, and, and do mention the fact that uh, as of this morning, another development in this situation was Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in Saudi Arabia, in Riyadh right now, meeting with the Saudi leadership, which we believe includes uh, the Saudi King Solomon and. And I want to go to you on this one, Alan. The key figure in all this that everybody's kind of looking at is the Saudi prince bin Salman, who in fact is the king's son-in-law. Alan, I want to follow up with that is because with him becoming a focal point, what do we know about the Saudi crown prince? And is he in fact the true man behind the curtain running the Saudi kingdom. So first of all, he's a son. He's, he's not a son. A son I'm sorry. Did I say son-in-law. I yeah. apologize. It's a yeah. son. He, he's he's the he's the oldest son of the third wife. So he's not the oldest right. son. It was something of a surprise when the king tapped him a couple of years ago to be the crown prince. Big deal. Right. Um, the 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 in their in in their system in their monarchy, the king gets to decide who succeeds, and it was a something of a surprise. This guy uh, is smart, powerful, ruthless, and uh, uh, has shown himself to be an authoritarian with an enormous amount of power and authority, even though he is only the crown prince. It's hard for us here to know how much power the the king uh, still has, how much the other advisors and people around the king have. But what is very, very clear is that this young authoritarian crown prince has enormous leash to make decisions and presumably to get into trouble. And he is the one, you will remember, because it was publicized all over the world, who gathered a bunch of his cousins, other princes, all of whom are enormously wealthy, worth hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, brought them to a hotel in Riyadh and locked them in for weeks and pressured them into agreeing to give up significant portions of their wealth. This guy has way, way too much power in a monarchy um, and I think it's awfully hard to imagine that whatever occurred in Istanbul, and even if something went afoul of the original plan, that he had not blessed it and likely ordered it. Now, Dan, following on that, though, here's the conflict that a lot of people in America are trying to figure out is hearing the description that Alan gave. And that's pretty much the description that anybody familiar with the Saudi government are, are playing his role in. There are many that feel that uh, MBS, as they call him in his friendly circles, 
uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. MBS is also looked at or is self-touted as some sort of reformer. Uh, he was the one who uh, gave women the uh, permission to drive for the first time over the past six months. Uh, he's looked at as somebody that believes in a quote-unquote freedom-ish type press. Uh, where does the conflict and what what do we have to do with who some say our closest ally in the region? Well, it's one of those things that uh, frequently uh, American press and Americans generally find complicated that uh, people can be good at one thing and bad at something else. Uh, you know, I can say without flinching that Hitler was a dog lover. Great. Doesn't make up for every, everything else. Um, in this case, uh, the crown prince um, went after a critic in a horrible way, and but the Saudis have always had a way of doing things that was different from ours. Uh, let me be clear: this is not to sound like Donald Trump. They acknowledging they doing doing something different than the way we we do things in the West is not to say that it should be condoned or we should in any way look another way or look away from this horror. Uh, but uh, yes, everything that Alan said is correct. And the prince is a reformer uh, to some extent that might be worth noting that the reforms might not be so much for the idea that uh, to concede to all the Western powers that uh, have been encouraging reforms for decades Instead, the Saudis are looking at the fact that at some point the oil is going to dry up and they're going to have to be able to do something else. Uh, what that is, who knows? Um, they're already dealing with the fact that oil prices are lower than they've been in, in quite a while, and that's caused a great deal of harm to their economy and also the, made the, uh, the weapons purchases that the president talks about uh, something of an illusion. It's, it was a wish list of, of what things that they wanted to buy, not an actual purchase and, order. But uh, this and Dan, I want to come back and I want to come back to that. Dan, I want to come back to that point, but I, I want to go to Admiral Ken real quick uh, to talk about the situation in Istanbul. The evidence coming out of Istanbul is pretty damning to the Saudi government. You've got the video of uh, Jamal Khashoggi walking into the consulate you've got video of what some of the intelligence community are calling known saudi operators going into istanbul that morning arriving on a private jet registered in saudi arabia you also have the fact that at about the time these people are there and Khashoggi uh, does not walk out three vehicles registered to the Saudi government there in Istanbul, leave abruptly from the consulate. And on top of the fact that uh, you've also got the Saudi government that was allowing the Turkish investigators to go into some sort of white down evidence scene. All indications are that unfortunately our worst fears may be, uh, may be real Jamal Khashoggi is not alive right now and that he died at the hands of Saudi interrogators or Saudi operatives 
is even though the Saudi government is talking about coming up with some sort of statement, this does not help the situation between Washington and Riyadh. Well, the the evolving story as of about uh, 3.30 Eastern time uh, this afternoon, and this was carried on MSNBC, CNN, and uh, even touched on at Fox News, is that he was taken in, um, interrogated, and um, and they, quote, accidentally killed him in the process. And so that seems to be the story that the, uh, that the, that the Saudis are edging toward with uh, an official statement uh, yet uh, at, to be released sometime, I guess, in the, in the distant future, maybe even the not-too-distant future. So, so you got a choice here. So we, 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 we kidnapped him, and we interrogated and tortured him, but we didn't mean to kill him, or we just outright meant to kill him. So it, either way, it's 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 not a it's it's a Sophie's choice. It's not a, it's not but, a good but, good but result. But Admiral Ken, here's here's the situation that really kind of comes into a weird angle, is that uh, several times the president has told the media. In fact, he was very clear about it with Leslie Stahl that the Saudis uh, he, d- uh, denied it. Yeah, the, the Saudis have denied it. And if you think uh, about it, and if you think about it, you know this 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 co- this carries a a, a a very common a very common thread. Um, um, whenever he's backing um, someone that he admires, like the Saudis or the Russians or the North Koreans, whatever they say uh, with regard to denying uh, bad behavior, he seems to be able to take at their word and not uh, have any doubt about. Uh, I am. I guess this this follows right in line with everything we've seen the last two and a half two two years or so. But but Alan Moore, I mean, does the president really have credibility when he looks Leslie Stahl in the eye and says, and I quote, "The Saudis deny any knowledge of whatever may have happened to their Saudi Arabian citizen." Uh, is the president just in denial? Is the president just thinking that we'll buy whatever comes out of the Oval Office as justification? This doesn't seem real to me. Well, so <laughs> one of the things he must have learned by now is that the American people won't, in fact, just buy anything that comes out of his mouth. He shows no discipline in talking about his feelings, his instinct, um, in the moment. What happened in this case is he talked yesterday at some length, 20 minutes or so, it was reported, to the king himself. And then he came out, and uh, increasingly he's doing these little stops on the way to the to the helicopter um, where he'll take a couple of questions. Um, that's a mixed blessing. It's nice to hear from the president. Um, it's not nice to hear ignorance, um, uh, lies, misogyny, and the other kinds of things that uh, have come out of his mouth just in the last couple of days. What he said was um, that the the that the king denied any knowledge and denied uh, having any role. Now, our president, as Ken was pointing out, tends to believe these authoritarian, all-powerful, thuggish leaders of some of these countries. Having said that, remember the first thing he said last week was, gosh, if this happened, we might have to do something, but we're not going to touch the $110 billion arms sale. 
Now, as Dan pointed out, there is no $110 billion arms agreement. There is a wish list over the next 10 or 12 years. I think there are, uh, you know, 10, there's a, 15, there's a, 15. There's or, a letter of intent. There's 15 or, yeah, those are meaningless. There's 15 yeah. or $20 billion of stuff in the actual pipeline. Um uh, and, uh, and and the Congress uh, does have a say in arms sales, and increasingly members of both parties are speaking up on this issue. The president tried to make it all about jobs. Whatever we do to punish them, we don't want to lose any jobs in America. In, in the president's calculus, there is only one metric uh, that matters. Unfortunately, in the world we live in, there are other metrics, and, and how much how important they are depends on who's president. The president, since that first comment, has moved in the direction of acknowledging that they may have done something, and boy, if they did, there's going to be some serious um, uh, sanctions, undefined. Um, So he's trying to have it both ways, but at least he's moving in the direction of acknowledging that they may, in fact, be responsible for this death. Let let me go go to Ken real quick, because Ken... Talking about the $110 billion deal and the jobs associated with, as Alan pointed out, that's a lot of smoke and mirrors. There's a lot of jazz hands involved with that. But the president has said, as late as today, that if we do not get those sales, if we do not sell the arms, $110 billion, his quote is, somebody else will. And he talks about China and Russia swooping in and buying that. Is that a legitimate argument? No. Uh, honestly, I, I think that why not? Given 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 the Saudis, given the Saudis' uh, wealth and their um, their their perceived uh, level of independence in the world, they can pretty much kind of go and buy whatever they want to buy from anybody they want to buy from. That's the first thing. Number two, um, at the risk of sounding like a, a a B movie, our stuff's better than their stuff. And they're not going to want to spend that kind of money for substandard weapons. They 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 have been a they've had the unique place uh, a, a pop opportunity in the world to be able to to see weapons from Russia and from China and from the U.S. in live combat operations and have come away with the belief that you know uh, the Americans um, uh, the the American systems are superior and we want to buy those. So that's the, that's 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 the uh, the the nut of that. The thing that I, I think that you know for me is that we've we have we we're kind of drifting away from values-based diplomacy uh, toward transactional-based diplomacy, and what that means is that as long as there's a an exchange of funds or or services in kind, um, people can do whatever they want to do, and I think that this is probably one of the first. Um, pieces of evidence that I think we're going to see in the near term that that shows that we have we we we're 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 surrendering our place as the moral leaders in the world and if we let the Saudis do uh, do this without there being any kind of recompense um you know Katie bar the door something else bigger and, and worse is, is going to come along Dan one of the one of the statements that came out of the Saudi kingdom by the Saudi government in their government-run press agency, warned that, quote, if it receives any action, it will respond with greater action, and that the kingdom's economy has an influential and vital role in the global economy. Further went on to say that the kingdom affirms its total rejection of any 
threats and attempts to undermine it, whether by threatening to impose economic sanctions, using political pressures, or repeating false accusations. I bring that up because it has been stated out of Riyadh that the Saudi crown princes said that they are not against throwing the oil market into turmoil. And they've talked about, and they gave a specific number, $200 a barrel oil. Is that a legitimate threat? And could we withstand doing that and keeping our honor in place? Well, there's all sorts of parts to that. So obviously the Saudis can do whatever they want with their own portion of uh, the oil that they put onto the open market. Saudi Arabia doesn't speak for all OPEC nations. And also worth noting, the United States is no longer a net importer of oil. Um, The fracking revolution for any negatives you'd like to address as far as the environmental issues associated with it, you can't really deny the fact that the U.S. is now producing oil and in excess of what we would use domestically. It's sold on the open market thanks to one of the recent uh, changes in U.S. law. So the the Saudis have a little bit less of a bargaining chip than they used to. Uh, this also goes to a point that was uh, not – I'm not the person who made the point originally, but the president is the worst negotiator Ever. As far as what Ken said, yeah, our stuff is better than their stuff, and people want to buy it more than they want to buy other people's stuff. In addition to that, there's a question of interoperability that the U.S. equipment talks to each other. Uh, back in the good old days, if you ever tried get, getting a Mac to talk to a PC, it was a nightmare. Can you imagine what it, how difficult it is to get, get Russian equipment to talk to American equipment? I'm going to go on a limb and say maybe they talk different languages. So the president yeah. had a big stick they, he could have thrown at the Saudis uh, for something uh, right off the bat and with a with a knee jerk negotiated response or even right. a planned out response. He had none of the above. Right. So he, he, he gave away his biggest bargaining chip out of the gate. And for what? That's to be seen. I mean, Alan, I mean, this screams a perfect situation that if, in fact, we do find out that Jamal, Kash- that Jamal Khashoggi is, in fact, deceased, that Magnitsky Act would come into play. The president is refusing to even say those words or even bring that into consideration. Is he really going to have a choice in this? He he probably couldn't pronounce it and doesn't understand what it is. So why would he talk about it? Uh, but no, th- th- this is this is an area where the Congress will come forward. Let me speak. Let me say one word though about about what the president has taken off the table. The president has has shown for for the last two years that nothing is ever taken off the table, even though he says it is. So let's suppose that we finally get more information, critically important information about what did and did not happen in Istanbul at the consulate, and that that there are, that that there's blood on the hands of uh, the crown prince. Let us let us say, um, and the and the universal advice to the president is, here are some sanctions that we think are appropriate. I don't think the president has 
has locked anything out. I don't like that fact. I mean, you'd like to think that when a president speaks that maybe it will stick. I'm thinking about the red line in Syria. It's not that this stuff started with with, with this president, but this president in particular is constantly pivoting. And he can say, well, I said that then and those matter, but this is bigger than that. And therefore, we're going to do this or this or this. He did say um, that that there may be some very serious sanctions, depending upon what we learn. He had removed arms sales. But as far as I'm concerned, they're not <laughs> with him. Nothing is ever permanent. So that, that I hate to hang to to hang my hat on that, I would like to find his word meant more than it does. It does not mean what we would like to think it means. As far as the Saudis are concerned, they should not think that that inter- interrupted arms sales um, would would not be considered. The Congress also has words to say about that. And the last thing about the Congress, I'll note to, to people that that Lindsey Graham, who has been to Saudi Arabia many times, has been a huge f- supporter of the U.S. Saudi relationship said on Sunday that that uh, uh, he is so distressed by what happened, what almost certainly happened, and we're, as we're learning, that he, he, he said these words, the crown prince has to go. We cannot work with this kind of an authoritarian exerting this kind of power and authority. He has to but go. I mean, but that puts that puts uh, Senator Graham in direct conflict with his good buddy, President Trump. Well, it, it, I, I mean, I, I bring it up because I think it's significant that he's the one who said that so aggressively. He's the one who has been such an advocate of the relationship with Saudi Arabia. So when when he speaks, you can't ignore it. Right. Does that mean the president will just say, let's go with Lindsay? No. But the president will say. Why is Lindsay saying that? And they will probably talk. And Pompeo right. will be coming back tomorrow or so, unless he goes elsewhere since he's over there. And he will he will talk. He will give his report. And then, right. as Ken mentioned, there's this possibility. It's speculation fed by some information that they are they seem likely to go down the path of saying we were interrogating him. Things went south, unfortunately, and he died. And, and oh, yeah, and we, been, we and NBS had no knowledge. Of and this. we decided to take take him back to Saudi Arabia and in give pieces. him a decent burial or in who pieces. knows what in pieces. Yeah. 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 We don't uh, know. Real quickly around the horn. Uh, can. So does the Saudi uh, royal family or does the Saudi government admit any wrongdoing in this? Yes or no? Uh, I think so. I, I think they have to. I think the uh, the evidence is going to push them into a corner and they're going to have to admit some complicity in it. Dan Lipner? Yeah, I'm with Ken. There's going to be something. I, the prince is going to be shielded, but I don't expect much of meaningful to happen. Alan Moore? I, I agree. There's too many too many voices. Not all we'd like from America, but from Europe um, and and from other parts of the world, other OPEC countries, etc. Um, and I think they can't right. They can't plausibly continue to deny to deny everything. Right. And I, I do want to say this though. Uh, everybody here at Backroom Politics is very concerned about this situation. We are calling for, as we do with our friends at the National Press Club and other in the media. We are calling for justice for Jamal Khashoggi. There needs to be closure. There needs to be justice. 
the journalists cannot be threatened like this. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the sewer that politics has gone in. It's another stormy story. This is Backroom Politics. We'll be back in a minute. Without any reason or a word to say, that man turned his keys in, he packed and went away. What good is living? I'll soon be giving my body up to the ocean. That's the way I feel today. Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back for segment two of the best political talk show you've never heard of. I am your host, moderator Justin Russell in the capital of the Empire State, Albany, New York. On the left coast is Dan Lipner in the Bay Area of California. And of course, holding down the fort in studio there at Podcast Village is Admiral Ken Carradine and Alan Moore. Uh, This is Backroom Politics. Powered by KF Media. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about the breaking news that happened late yesterday. Uh, for those who don't know, because uh, this gets more and more bizarre, uh, Stormy Daniels. You remember Stormy Daniels, the adult film star who had a quote-unquote alleged affair with the president uh, some time ago? Oh, Stormy. Her- Oh, Stormy. Uh, Her defamation suit uh, was dropped and dismissed by a federal judge. Uh, It is a very, very odd situation. Now, for those who don't remember, Daniels argued that Trump's tweet posted back in April that said, quote unquote, attacks the veracity of her account of the alleged incident that happened between her and the president. Um, However... Because it charged her with committing a serious crime, uh, District Judge James Otero wrote that the court agrees with Mr. Trump's argument because the tweet in question constitute 
constitutes rhetorical hyperbole normally associated with politics and public discourse in the United States. The First Amendment protects this type of rhetorical statement. There's so many things wrong with this. Number one, Dan Lipner, <laughs> how big of a victory is this legally for the president? And is it going to make it harder for anybody else to come back into play? I mean, does this pretty much shut down Avenatti and everything he's got going? Dan Lipner? I should unmute myself before I start talking. Uh, yeah. it, the, it means absolutely nothing. Uh, the story, St- Stormy Daniels thing floating out there, uh, I don't know how much more of the case, if any part of it is floating out there. It, it is not a political thing, and there are more important issues to talk about, about what this president does than Stormy Daniels. This is an interesting aside about the presidential hypocrisy and the hypocrisy of the evangelical right for backing this president uh, in spite of all of his uh, his public failures as far as policy and how he's lived his life professionally and his personal failures that they used to uphold as a gold standard of what made them somehow better than everyone else or to knock against other politicians. Other than that, other than highlighting that hypocrisy, this is a non-story. Alan Moore, do you agree or is there significant? I mean, I know it it disturbs you whenever we bring up these types of stories, but it it just furthers the narrative of the decreasing political environment that we're looking at, particularly as we're coming into a midterm. Is this something that the president can capitalize in 22 days. He can't capitalize on it. I don't agree with Dan that it doesn't mean anything. I think it, it's it's something that, A, we're talking about. It all un- was some of, it was it unfolded yesterday and then this morning with some back and forth tweets that are a lot more interesting, frankly, to the American public than the ins and outs and nuances of uh, what's going on in the country, the elections, <laughs> and so on. The president this morning, who can it reminds us constantly that he's his own worst enemy. Can't simply take a court victory, which is appealable. Avenatti has said they're going to appeal. He can't just say, I'm glad that that's settled now. What's next? Um, no, no, no. Not good enough. He r- sent a tweet today, uh, sort of uh, banging his chest, and then calling Stormy Daniels horseface. So... Why would you do that unless you are misogynist in your soul? But who we can debate that. And then she, being nobody's fool, comes back. Well, if I'm horse faced, then I guess he's interested in committing bestiality. Oh, my God. Really? And then and then she talks. She talks about his equipment, shall we say, and and says, "Nice talking to you, Tiny." This is the discourse that we have out there. Does it mean anything? It shouldn't, but it shouldn't occur in the first place. So we're talking about it. The country's reading about it, and our president, at a time that he's trying to help congressional candidates in November, when gender issues. Treatment of women matter. They're in the forefront of what's on people's minds. And he is calling a woman horse face. Horse face. It, it's, Which, by the way, do not Google that. 
Do not Google that. It does not come up well on your search engine. I'm just telling you. I'm going to defer to your knowledge on that. I I haven't, and I hadn't intended to, but obviously you're way ahead of me here. I I did it by accident because I was, I heard like, Yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. I know, I heard legitimately. What else did you accidentally Google, Justin? You want to give us your list? No, no, that's, that's private. That what happens in Albany stays in Albany. Here's the crazy part about this going off of what Alan was saying is we have a president that is dealing with probably the biggest crisis between our one of our biggest partners and allies in the Middle East. He's dealing with, uh, you know, domestic situations, including the response and recovery for just an awful storm in Hurricane Michael. And this is how the president spends his time. Is is this just more meat to the rabid base that he's grabbing? Or does this somehow help him and the candidates that follow him? Um, I, I think it's probably more the former than the latter. I think that this is this is how he feels he needs to spend his time. But I think outside of that, I think it's just one more piece of evidence uh, at to show what kind of a person he really is um, um, inside. But this is insane. Uh, well, I, I won't use the I word in in um, in, in its clinical sense about <clears throat> the president. Uh, I will say it's it's uh, it's insulting to me as a uh, as as a member of the populace. Uh, I think it's embarrassing. Um, um, I, I saw, a, uh, I guess, the Trump numbers from factcheck.org uh, yesterday for the month of October. And the only country in the world, major country in the world, that, that thinks highly of us right now is Russia. Everybody else is, you know, is, is, is just looking at us going, what the hell is going on over there? And I think this is just one more piece of one more log on that fire. Um, I think it's also clear to uh, it's, it's clear to I think to, to women um um, that this is just one more piece of evidence that the president really has no respect for women, none. And the Dan Dan said it best that it's it, it is amazing to me that um, the evangelicals are are still supporting this person. I mean, these people have got moms and sisters and daughters, and this is how the president talks about other women or talks about women when he's angry at them. You know, and I think the only thing that might get their attention is if he comes to their pre- comes to one of their churches, and one of them presses him on the answer, and he turns around and calls her a horse face. You know, this is this is this is clear evidence that this guy really doesn't but, care about but, women. But Al, Dan Lipner, this is what's crazy about this. Let's take, for example, the back and forth over the weekend involving the senator from the Bay State of Massachusetts and the president. Over the weekend, the uh, senator released her DNA results that shows, in fact, she does have American Indian genetics in her DNA. Uh, At the same time, the president comes back and says, I don't care. She plays into it by saying, hey, aren't you going to give a million dollars? I mean, I'm paraphrasing. you got to give a million dollars. And the president says, I don't know, or anything. There's this back and forth between a seated senator from Massachusetts and the president of the United States. And she's talking about, do you need a doctor? How has this become 
our political environment and why do the Democrats keep playing into this? This plays right into Trump's hands. Well, a couple things. Uh, one, <laughs> the, let's first start with the, the million dollars. Uh, the million dollars is the president offered a million dollars to a charity of Senator Warren's choosing if she took a DNA test that proved she had Native American ancestry. Here's a breaking news item. I might be the first to report it. This president doesn't keep his word. I know. Just stop the presses on that one. Um, but so isn't that disturbing? Shouldn't we as an American immediately backtracked on it? And the Elizabeth Warren uh, released it. It seems credible. But that's not the bigger issue. Again, this is the people who back the president and his nonsense. Um, it took about 20 minutes before uh, apparently the Cherokee Nation came out and said, you know, this doesn't count for tribal citizenship to get your BIA card, blah, 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 blah. And the narrative immediately changed. And from some of my conservative friends immediately started saying, see, this doesn't prove anything. She can't be a tribal citizen. That was never the question. But what you get an answer you don't like, suddenly the question is a different question. So the people who continue to back this president and who were calling the uh, Senator Warren Pocahontas, which is offensive on its face, uh, the those folks have no shame. I don't know how possibly to engage in a conversation with that portion of the electorate that have no shame. The misogynistic comments from the president that we were talking about before to the racist comments from this president. How do you engage with people that have no Dan, shame and Dan, do not care Dan, less wait, about wait, that? Wait, Dan, Dan. Senator Warren is playing into it. It seems like you're putting all the onus on POTUS. Shouldn't the expectation that a senior senator be the one to take the higher road? It seemingly she didn't take a terribly low road by contrast with the president. I mean, I'm not uh, saying this is necessarily statesmanship, but with, compared to what this president's doing, it doesn't take much to take the high road. You just have to not go digging around in the sewers and you're on the high road. Great. Admiral Ken. So my, my grandmother, if she were still living, um, uh, was one of those, those, those evangelicals, and she definitely would not have approved of, of this behavior. But she was often heard to say, if you get in a pig with muds, you're going to lose the pig because the pig likes it, and you're just going to get dirty. I want to take everybody back to uh, the run-up to the uh, the Republican nomination when Marco Rubio uh, tried to get into a knife fight by uh, doing the same kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, boyhood playground uh, dozens game with Donald Trump talking about his hand size and what that inferred or what that implied. And so, again, you know, you, you this president thrives on, on this kind of fight, and he's good at it. Uh, why he's good at it really doesn't matter, but the fact of the matter is you can't uh, – a, a reasonable, uh, intelligent, mature person can't get into this kind of uh, fight with this president and win without without coming away smeared. And so uh, to, to, to I think to, to the point you're trying to make here, Justin, yeah, the president has shown a propensity to make up his mind about things. 
and um, completely ignore uh, facts to the contrary, like the Russians interfering in our election and and uh, and taking the word of the Russians over our own intelligence uh, staff, is just as bad uh, and falls in the same light as him making up his mind that Elizabeth Warren had no Native American heritage, and when she produces evidence to the contrary, he's going to ignore it and stay on uh, on message. So you can't fight that, and and uh, and I think the Democrats really need to find a way, especially if he runs for re-election, um, to 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 be able to get in the ring. And when he starts behaving like a child, treat him like a child, and you know, ignore him. Uh, talk, yeah, but, talk about what's substantive and what's important. Yeah, but Alan Moore, it, it seems like every time we have an expectation that the president will start acting presidential. Uh, it turns out to be more of a sideshow. It becomes more of a reality TV series. This week, this past week, the president invited Kim Kardashian and Kanye West to the White House, along with former NFL All-Star and Hall of Famer Jim Brown. But he invited Kim Kardashian and Kanye West to talk about criminal justice reform. What does a Kardashian and Kanye know about criminal justice reform? And then we'll talk about the 10-minute rant. But am I missing something? I would expect police chiefs, academics, people who actually are in the street doing criminal justice. This was this was not about digging into criminal justice reform. Um, it, it, the president could invite anybody on any subject, and he wouldn't really be listening. He would be talking. It didn't bother me that he wanted to uh, invite a famous, well-known, popular in some ways, African-American entertainer to come and, and have a highly visible lunch. I didn't realize that Kim was invited. I don't think she was there, but it doesn't matter. Um, uh, and and brought Jim Brown, who's been w- laboring in these vineyards for a while of of uh, criminal justice reform. Um, right. And and it's possible that Kanye has done. He's probably done more work, work than 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 uh, we realize. What was biz- Wait, what? So, well, he, which means what? M- more than nothing. Um, and 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 <laughs> and so. So there are a couple of other people around the table. Jared Kushner's sitting there. What what was bizarre about it? Because they were here for lunch, was that they they fill the room with cameras and reporters, and let Kanye go off on this crazy disjointed rant that that made. No sense that even the president is nodding. And when finally Kanye stops after 10 full minutes, sort of says, wow, that was something. Yeah, we don't know what it was. It wasn't what it was supposed to be. And I'm sure the president, who doesn't like to give up the floor for as long as 10 minutes, is thinking, wow, why did I ever do that? But here's a here's a a well-known African-American entertainer who embraces the president, wears his Make America Great hat throughout the time. The president does like that. What the president doesn't like, in in retrospect, I'm sure, is turning the, the, the floor and all of this media for 10 straight minutes over to his obscenity-laced <laughs> stream of consciousness nonsense. Uh, it was just it was just bizarre. First of all, it, for those who cannot new. see, hold Kanye's on. Kanye's done that many, many times. 
Jimmy Kimmel has the best line referring to Kanye is he is the craziest person you will ever hear speak that has an income higher than $50,000 a year. <laughs> but the, the great thing you guys can't see out there in Radio Land is the fact that Admiral Ken is listening to Alan Moore and wanting to throw the mic stand across the room and just beat somebody with it. Admiral Ken, why are you shaking your head? You know, I, I, I've, I've been a black man my entire life. And, and and but but seldom but seldom seldom has the behavior of 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 another of, of another person of my race embarrassed me. I, 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 why do he embarrass you? He he embarrassed me because one, um, he failed. You know you know whether whether Kanye chooses to support President Trump or not. I don't have a problem with. I really don't. Uh, I think that you know, as as someone who's been a, a voting African American voting Republican for most of his adult life, I don't have a problem with that. You know, you 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 basically support the politician that you and your heart feel uh, is going to be the best for the country. Don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is Kanye West soiling the the Oval Office. Uh, what I have a problem with is Kanye West using an an, an um um. Um, uh, a rhetoric that was laced with, 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 with bad language in in the White House, and 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 the president using him. It was a minstrel show. It was absolutely just. It was. Oh, hold, wait a minute. Hold on, Admiral Ken. I want to. I want to hold you right there because you said something that Don Lemon said. Oh, really? That afternoon. Yeah. And Don Lemon took holy hell. Not I don't... from. Not from. The black community, he took holy hell from Republicans. Uh, I I know that. I I you know what I I I shared a golf cart with with one of my neighbors over the weekend, and he was he's 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 a uh, white American uh, Republican down in down in uh, down in Florida, and he happened to think that Kanye was great, and I said uh, and I basically disabused him of that notion right there on, right there on the golf court right there on the golf cart, and at that point decided to kick his butt on the, the rest of the game and, and put five pars on my card. So, <laughs> Wait, can you expand on what, what on earth could he have thought was great about Kanye? You know what, brand? Dan? I didn't give him more than two seconds after he said that. I rolled in, and I can't repeat what I said to this guy on the phone, but let me let me assure you that Sailor Ken was very present on the golf course, okay? And, 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 and But that same person would not have used that kind of language in the Oval Office. Absolutely not. And that's that. That is my issue. It was a minstrel show. The president used him. The president used him to make a point that hey, here's a here's a uh, uh, an African American rap star who thinks that I'm great. Hell, he's even wearing my hat, and he's putting him on TV, and he's made and the, the guy it made an absolute fool of himself, and it, at both of, of him and the president. Alan Ward, you you look very much in deep thought right now. <laughs> What's your take on that? No, I'm I, I'm. I, I'm listening. I was appalled. I, I was what I was reflecting on, though, is, and, and I thought about it before with that Stormy Daniels exchange is from this morning with the president. Um, what do the people on Saturday Night Live do with this presidency? Because what you like to do is take crazy stuff and exaggerate it. But every, but what we're getting used to now is stuff you can't exaggerate because it's so crazy out there. The skit they did about Kanye wasn't that funny because 
the whole thing was so nuts, so wrong, so inappropriate um, that that you couldn't exaggerate it. It wasn't a piece of exaggerated life. And 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 I'm thinking that this weekend when they try to do the figure out how to do the exchange between Storm, Stormy Daniels and the president and and about about the size of somebody's genitalia and horse faces and bestiality. It's like, where do you go? How do you even, how do you make fun of it? It's just tra- so, so, tragic so the and fo- sad. So the folks at Southwest, I mean, at, at uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, probably tipped the president, even gave the president the idea to bring Kanye on because about a week and a half, two weeks ago, after the show ended, Kanye basically had like a – Almost ten minutes where he he took over the microphone and did a tried to do a, a Trump pep rally. Yeah, yeah you're right. I, I mean, I mean, you know. So I'm pretty sure someone told told the Oval Office about it and they jumped all over it. But to right. your point, to your point, what, what do they do with it? They don't have to do anything. All they got to do is just put a little bit of spin on it, and the rest of America basically takes this as as, as as entertainment. And it's not. It's scary. Yeah, but here's here's my concern, and 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 I, I want everybody around the table to to contemplate this. Is is there any possibility that we could recover from this state of just, uh, you know, late night political discourse to getting back to real civil dialogue? Is it can can we go back to those days? Or are we too far down the drain? Alan Moore. Well, y- you know. <laughs> There was much made in the last week or so about some comments that some senior, reasonably well-respected, at least in some circles, Democrats have have made. Eric Holder, former attorney general, said to a private group, and it was recorded and published, that, hey, Michelle Obama once said, they go low, we go high. No, I say, they go low, and we kick them. And then- Later, he had to come and explain, well, he didn't mean it literally. And then on the heels of that, we have Hillary Clinton, the the Democratic candidate that (laughs) Donald Trump beat, saying the time for civility is over. When they're trying to destroy everything we care about in this country, we have to stop being civil. Now, this is an environment where you've got the Antifa, the anti-fascist groups out there getting increasingly violent. Um, When you have a a, a congresswoman, um, a Democratic congresswoman saying, you need to interfere with with people who you disagree with in their lives, chase them down, go to their houses, interfere with restaurants. This this civility stuff... um, which has been on the decline, let us acknowledge this. Donald Trump, he didn't create this. He just took it to new extremes and what? showed that you can make it. it work for he you. He wrote it. He wrote I mean, it I mean, like let a me be clear. Let pony. me be clear about it. one thing. is We started this radio show now eight years ago, and we started it with the fact that you know we wanted to bring civility and civil discourse back to Washington in a million years. Sitting around the table with Bob Hines and Congressman Al Swift, did I ever imagine that we would be talking about bestiality, horse face, tweets, and Kanye crazy on this show? But this this is what politics has Wait, become. I, We're losing can ground. I a, can, I, can I take this to a, to a serious turn here for a second? Sure. So the, the, the history of civil disobedience in this country – um, is a long one. It's taken many different forms. But looking in at the, the 60s and the civil rights movement of that era and the 
the peaceful demonstrations uh, that included some very serious training for th- those folks who 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 marched, for those folks who s- sat at lunch counters that weren't in- integrated, serious training to not respond. And the reason for that was part of the media strategy. And it was, you know, early on that watching the violent response to kids sitting at a lunch counter peacefully, simply wanting to be served a meal, that the response from not the racists, not the people who were protesting or the people who were beating people up or dumping milkshakes on people's heads, not those folks. The assumption was always that the silent portion of America, the decent portion of America, would look at that and be appalled. It was a gamble. And thankfully, that gamble was right, that not to say that every American celebrated diversity that was in favor of the Civil Rights Acts, but they were in favor of basic decency. And when the violence in response to people peaceably assembling and marching or even sitting in was met with violence, decent people said no. The question is, where are the decent people now? And what we've seen is, and in the recent politics and the, the Republican bump uh, after the Kavanaugh hearings and the seemingly in response to some of the ugliness thrown at Kavanaugh, Right. The question is, where are those decent people when ugly things are thrown at Democrats, when ugly things are said by this president? Where are those decent people? Right. Well, that I want to let that be the last word uh, for this show. Hey, by the way, I want to give special thanks to our producer, Audrey Howerton, who's in a secluded spa somewhere up in Saratoga Springs. Uh, Special shout out to our executive producer, Deb Chandler and KF Media. Thanks for powering us. Uh, Oscar, Rob, Behind the Glass. And as always, I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell. You can join us for the next episode of the best political talk show you've never heard of, Backroom Politics, powered by KF Media. On behalf of Admiral Ken, Dan Lipner, and the Honorable Alan Moore, we will see you next time later in the week. And by the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Backroom Politics. Go to our website and download the podcast at backroompolitics.org. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us, America. Along with you.